Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Today we're going to dive into talking about influence. Matthew chapter 23, we'll go there sort of towards the end of our message for a few minutes. But go ahead and get that place in your Bible so that when we get there, you'll already be there. Matthew chapter 23. Um, all right, so when we were kids, uh, we all remember, I'm, I'm sure this is a common theme, that we all remember when we were kids that we wanted to be uh, a superhero. You had your favorite superhero, and mine was Superman, because back in the day when uh, I was a kid, we didn't have as many Marvel characters and DC comic characters as, as we do today. I mean, man, they've got so many today, but we had our few staples. You know, I, I come from the day where it was the Justice League, uh, you know, where you had about five, six, seven of them. Um, but we always, I remember me and my little buddies, we would get together and we'd be like, hey, if you could have a secret, a superpower, what would your superpower be? Would you want x-ray vision or would you want like superhuman strength? Would you want the ability to fly? And man, mine was always the ability to fly. And, uh, and every now and then I'd want the uh, ability to be invisible. But my, the reason for changing was not as pure because I'm thinking like if I was invisible, I'd be rich because I would just sneak into the bank and nobody would st- see me and I'd steal all the money. You know, now that's my pre-Jesus days, okay? Like I was a pre-Jesus kid, I didn't know. But like we all had the desire, man, if we could have a superpower, what would yours be? Let me see a show of hands. Who would, who would want x-ray vision? My wife has that right now. Like, I'm telling you, she got some of these up here anyway. Uh, Who would want superhuman strength? Nobody wants x-ray vision. Who wants superhuman strength? All right, we got a few few folks. Uh, Who would want the ability to fly? Now, where are y'all going to fly to? Where are y'all flying to? Who would want the ability to be invisible? All right, so ability to fly, ability... Ability to be invisible. Those are, those are the two that are going neck and neck. So look, when you think about superheroes, what takes a, a, a billionaire character like Tony Stark and turns him into Iron Man? What makes him the ability to be a superhero? It's, it's the suit for him. What, what takes a young, you know, teenage guy like Peter Parker and turns him into Spider-Man? Because he got bit by that radioactive spider. He, that's what gave him his superpower. Without, without that bite, he's just Peter Parker, another student. What, what gives Diana Prince the ability to, uh, to, to be Wonder Woman? All right? So it really, she's already strong. They're, they're like a superhuman race. You know, it's just bringing her in. It's almost like Superman. Superman is just normal in his world. You know, but when he comes into our world, he's different. What takes somebody like T'Challa and, uh, you know, the king of Wakanda, what, what, what makes him, gives him the ability to be the Black Panther with superhuman strength and, and speed? And it's, he was injected with that heart-shaped uh, uh, herb or whatever. What makes you and me like Jesus? Come on. Like Every one of them had something that they needed to make to give them their superpower. And for you and for me, what does it take for us to be like Jesus? And it is the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at this. John chapter 14 says, Jesus is speaking and he says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I'm going to ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Stop for a second. That word advocate in the Greek is called uh, is is paraclete. Paraclete is 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 this word that it it has a lot of different meanings. It means counselor, someone who will counsel you. When I don't know if you've ever been in a situation I, that's that's really rhetorical, but 
I know you've been in situations where you don't know the right answer. He will counsel you. He will give you wisdom. I know you've been in a, in a situation where you need somebody to help you. He's a helper. Paraclete means counselor. It means helper. It means advocate. Somebody who will take up for you. There are times in our lives where the enemy, he will beat you down because he's accusing you so much. Some of y'all, he might be accusing you about what you did last night or this morning before you came. And you need to know that, there, that that voice of the enemy that he is beating you down with, that there is an advocate that we have with the Father that is saying to the Father, that's not who he is. That's not who he is. The scripture says that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Holy Spirit is the advocate of the brethren. And it says that he is the Holy Spirit. He never leaves you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The, this, is, this is cool right here. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. Because Holy Spirit, one of his superpowers is invisibility. We already saw. He's a spirit. You cannot see a spirit. So Holy Spirit, while we're at work, while we're wherever we are, while we're at our kids' softball team and all hell is breaking loose because the parents are fixing a go to scrapping. <laughs> Holy Spirit is there. While you are at your job and everything's going wrong, Holy Spirit is there. While somebody's backstabbing you and trying to uppercut, Holy Spirit is there. He's invisible, but he's there. The world doesn't know it. So the world responds a certain way, but we know he's there because he's in us. Listen to what this. It says, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Just want to break that down for a second. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's saying, but you know, you know the spirit because he's with you now. Who's he talking about? He's talking about himself. I am with you now, Jesus is saying. I am the first paraclete. And then he says, but I'm going to ask the Father and he'll send you another one because I'm not going to be here. I have to go to my next assignment. We just sang a song. In my Father's house, there's a place for... You know why there's a place for you and me? Because Jesus is right now preparing that for us. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what kind of... You know, I imagine some just celestial kind of... uh, uh, construction project going on. And I know that's not what it is, but that in my mind, I visualize stuff. I'm like, wonder what he's doing there, preparing a place for us. Wonder, but that's his assignment right now. And also, he, he, uh, he's, he, he's, his side job is he's an advocate for us. And so Holy Spirit is now sent into the earth. And he told us over and over again, he said, listen, I gotta go away. I know y'all don't want me to go away, But I've got to go away if it's good for me that I go away because Holy Spirit would not come if I stay here and we just do this. And he says, because he lives with you now, but later will be in you. He's talking about two different things. And he's talking about like what's to come. Holy Spirit is to come. Holy Spirit had not come then, but Holy Spirit was going to come. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, the Lord, who is the Spirit, Jesus is Holy Spirit, but Holy Spirit is Jesus. Jesus is the Father. The Father is Jesus, but yet they're all different. I know that blows our mind, and we can't comprehend it. We can't bring God down to our level. We just say, hey, we got to come up to your level, and we just have to accept it. That's what faith is. I don't understand that, but I accept it. And he says, the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Jesus as we are changed into his glorious image. As I increase in Christ, it looks like change, guys. As I increase in Christ, it looks like change. He changed my name. He changed my station. I was here, but now I'm here. And I can't be here. He says, you can't do this. You got to be here or there. So I want you to look at this. This is about 
us knowing the source of our influence. As we talk about what is our source of influence, what's our source of being more like Christ? It's Holy Spirit. Very simple. Let's look at what influence means. Influence is the capacity to have an effect. That means change. Like my influence, I have a capacity to have an effect on people, to change people for good or bad on their character, their development, or their behavior with others. Influence means change. All right, Brandon, it's your time to be on the hot seat. All right. I remember when I was their youth pastor, there were three of you guys. I'm not going to call anybody else's name, but you know who I'm talking about. Your youth leaders that were in the youth group, they know who we're talking about. But I remember, I remember, I remember having a conversation with these guys. They probably don't remember this now because they weren't paying attention to me. But I remember having a conversation with these three guys. And I said, guys, you have so much influence. Like, I'm telling you, people just follow y'all. You're leaders. You probably don't remember this conversation. But I sat down with them because I had so many conversations with them like this. They started tuning me out. I said, but you're leading people, influencing people in the opposite direction. Like if you could just turn your efforts around into another direction, you guys could be the absolute most powerful, bring people to Jesus, if you just would. And of course, I'm just so excited, man, that you're sitting in this church today. I'm excited that, man, you're using your influence. But we can have influence, man, good or bad, good or bad. Our influence gives us the ability to change. You need to watch out who's influencing you. Are they, are they influencing you? You know the old cliche that says misery loves company. You need to be careful who you're calling up seeking wisdom. Are there, is their name misery? Are, are they going to commiserate? I don't, I don't blame you. They, you know, they should blah, 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 yada, yada. You know, I'm telling you what, man. I am glad that I have been at that place and I've called the right people. And they have told me, they have called me out, and they influenced me, and they changed me, and they said, man, you're just thinking about this because your situation looks too bad. You're just thinking about this because right now it seems hopeless. We were talking right behind this stage before I came out here today. Uh, before we came out, I was talking to Glenna, and I was pointing something out in her life, and, and I was using it, even though she wasn't there to influence me in verb, uh, verbiage at the time, I was using a situation in her life to encourage and influence my mindset. I said, if God will do it for you, and if God will, it loves you enough, he'll do it for me. He will do it for me. And I, I, I'm holding on to that. L- listen to this. As we allow him to, the key word, allow him to influence us. As we allow Holy Spirit to influence us because you can cut him off. If it weren't true, Paul wouldn't have written to people like the, Thessalon- the Thessalonians at the church of Thessalonica and said to them, hey, be sure you don't quench the Holy Spirit. Be sure you don't shut Holy Spirit down in your life. Be sure that you don't shut Holy Spirit down in the middle of a service. And listen to to me. Hear me, hear me, church. If you get offended at the moving of the Holy Spirit, there there are umpteen other churches in Baldwin County that you can go that they don't allow the Holy Spirit to move. Just just move on. Just move on there. Because at this church, I'm not here to tickle your fancy. I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm not here to tickle you nothing. We are here for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to let God be glorified through our worship and through the word and for us to leave this place changed. That is why we're here. And as I allow Holy Spirit to influence me, it will give me or us the power to influence others. Listen, I'm telling you, church, there's too many people out there that you or them or we are trying to influence the world when we hadn't been influenced ourselves to begin with. Don't, don't be trying to go out and influence the world in some way when, because they're going to be looking at you. 
I had a guy one time to try to give me some uh, marriage advice, and I ain't trying to be sly, cute, or slick. But I'm like, I, because I know him. And I said, man, I want to be careful what advice. I said, the only one advice I want to take from you from marriage is what not to do. Because you in number four. I'm in number one, 35 plus years, all right? So it ain't been perfect. I hadn't been the perfect husband. She hadn't been the perfect wife. We haven't been the perfect parents. We haven't been the perfect financiers in our marriage. We haven't been the perfect anything. But we've worked on it, and we're still, you know, standing here. I will survive. No, not I. That's our theme song. I will survive as long as I know how to love, you know? A man going to try to give me some marriage advice. And I'm like, no, 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 friend. I don't need marriage advice from you. Because you, you evidently don't know how to do marriage. And listen to me. Listen to me. If you, if you are one of those people like, man, I'm on number three. Don't feel condemned. Don't feel condemned. And I ain't talking like I don't have no experience with it. My mom and dad both came from broken marriages. My sister was in number four herself. I have brothers with multiple marriages. I get it. I come from a family of, of, of brokenness. But as I allow Holy Spirit to influence me in different areas of my life, then I have some change in my pocket that I can talk to you. See, I can't talk to you about what it's like to get off drugs because I've never been on drugs. I, I've never been there. I can't talk to you about what it's like to, for, to recover your marriage after you've cheated on your spouse because I've never cheated on my spouse. There are certain things I won't be able to talk with you about, but there are some things that I can talk with you about and I can help you through because I've been there, I've lived it, I've got the t-shirt to prove it and the experience to go with it and I can use that as an influence. So say it with me. Say what's on the screen. As we allow Holy Spirit to influence us, he gives us the power to influence others. He wants us to influence others. As a matter of fact, in a few weeks, we're going to be talking about the, the power that he gives us to influence others. That's his whole purpose, is to guide us in truth, so that we can influence others. I want you to turn to your Bibles, Matthew chapter 23. And we're going to uh, read there for about, uh, I, I say 28, yeah. So let's go down. We're probably going to go down just a little bit further than that. All right, verse 25, you ready? What sorrow, Jesus is talking to some religious leaders, and he says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? You're hypocrites. He says, for you are careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow, second time he uses that, awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. Beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with people's dead bones and all sort of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy. Hang on just a second. What the image that I get there, whitewashed tombs. Some of y'all in here got some power washing business. I'm looking at a couple of guys over here that have done some work for us. And what that... It's like if you've ever been to Louisiana and you see those tombs above the ground in the cemeteries, I imagine somebody going over there with some power washers. And, man, they're just keeping the, you know, that marble and all of those sarcophagus things and all of those mausoleum things. They're keeping them, you know, like super, super uh, clean. But inside is, is really sickness, disease, and death. And that's what he's saying. He's like, on the outside... You look like you got it going on, but you bunch of hypocrites. Now, I'm telling y'all, y'all think y'all would love Jesus as your pastor. You would not. <laughs> he, he ain't pulling. Like, he is talking to religious people, and he never talked to sinners like he talked to religious people. You know why? Because sinners didn't know better. They, they may have known, but they didn't know better. They had not been there religious people, spiritual people, we know better. 
And he's like, man, I'm not giving you, y'all are marked by a different standard than those folks. Y'all are held to a higher standard than those folks because you know you've been ruined, so to speak, with the truth. You can't go back. You can't not know that. You can't unlearn it. It's there. And so he says in verse 28, or sorry, 29, what sorrow awaits you teachers of the religious law, that's a third time he says that. Hypocrites, third time. For you build tombs for the prophets, your ancestors you killed, and you decorate them with uh, the monuments of the godly people your ancestors destroyed. Then you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we never would have joined them in the killing of the prophets. But in saying that, you testify against yourselves that you are indeed the descendants of those people who murdered the prophets. Go ahead and finish what your, what your ancestors started you snakes you bunch of you son of vipers Uh uh-oh if I ain't mistaken that seemed like Jesus cussed right there (laughs) like you son of vipers how will you escape the judgments of hell what he's basically saying there is there hope for those people yes there is hope but not if you stay where you are He said, you've got the outside going on, but the inside is what God looks at. What is it? Uh, Is it 1 Samuel or 2? I think it's 2 Samuel 16 and 7. When it's talking about David and Goliath and, you know, Solomon, uh, uh, or sorry, Samuel passed over uh, David because he didn't look right for the part. He's too scrawny, he's too little, he's not as handsome as the other guys. They look like warriors, and David's this scrawny little musician guy, creative, you know, he's got that creative side of him. But deep down inside, man, he was a warrior. He was a bear-killing, ripping the jaws of a lion apart warrior inside. But on the outside... Man looks on the outside, first Sam, second Samuel, I believe it is. Six, is it first Samuel? First Samuel, 16 and 7. Shay's using her superpowers over here on me to keep me straight. But first Samuel, 16 and 7, says, for, for man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So many times, now you may not be like me, but I use that to justify my lifestyle of sin. Well, man just looks at the outside. Y'all just looking at my outside life. But God knows. He knows my heart, man. We good. We good. God knows my heart. No, they're both important. Man looks at the outside. God looks at the inside. Man looks at the outside. God looks at the heart. Man can't see our heart, so he looks at what he sees first. Outside is very important. And I hope you hear me today. I'm not talking about the, the junk that the church for years got into. Well, I just don't agree when they got all, all them piercings and tats and all that, you know. Uh, no, I, I don't even care about that. I'm talking about, you know, but attitude. You know, man, you talk about uh, Jesus, when he's addressing stuff on the outside, he's addressing really inside stuff that manifests itself on the outside. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, is what the scripture says. Whatever's on the inside is going to come out sooner or later. You can try to clean that mess up as much as you want, but, but you'll be the same. And so it's not about all those little things that we get caught up in, but the outside is important. And the inside is important. They're both important. And I want you to look at this scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through, uh, 19 through 20 says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Paul's saying this to the Corinthian church. He says, hey, do y'all not realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? He lives within you. Your body, my body, is a temple where God lives. Now, that, that's huge. My body and your body is a temple where God lives. He says, it's from, you've received it from God. You're not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. 
Like there needs to be a change. When we, when Holy Spirit comes, there will be a change in our body. You can't think with religious. I'm gonna, you know, take your earrings off, guys. Take them out. You know, t- you know. Let's go get laser on our tattoos and all. You can't think like that. That's religious. That's religious. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the way you carry yourself, the way you talk, the way different things. You were bought with a price, so glorify God with your body. Your body is where, where, where Holy Spirit lives. Look, look at this. When Holy Spirit moves in, he's going to start moving some stuff out. Because Holy Spirit, when Holy Spirit is coming, Holy Spirit is like, hey, I want to, I'm cleaning you up. I'm, I'm clearing you out. I'm changing you because I'm going to cohabitate with you. Think about this. He's changing us because he's about to cohabitate with us. He's about to live with us. And I ain't living in that pigsty. Are you following me? Holy Spirit, who is holy, is about to come live. And he ain't coming living with no hoarder. All that stuff that you kept and you chalked away and you got. He's like, I ain't moving in here. Like, I will move in. But when I move in, stuff is fixing to start moving out. And you, you can have that rebellious spirit if you want to, but I am not moving in with that still there. If I move in and that's there and you do not get rid of it, guess what? You are going to be miserable. Some of the biggest fights that Shay and I have gotten in uh, have been about things in our house. And, you know, uh, things that needed to be done differently. Man, the first few years of our marriage, it was quite interesting. Now, she didn't have the ability to fly, but I, no, this is probably me, ain't it, baby? I didn't have the ability to fly, but I had the ability to make things fly. Because we would be in an argument, and I would just go to chunking stuff. Because I knew I couldn't hit her. My daddy told me, son, you never hit a woman. But he never said anything about throwing a dish. He never said anything about throwing a dish. And, you know... So we would get into these arguments about stuff. But it's like we had to get that stuff out of our system so that we could live together. It wasn't okay for me to to do that. That was immature of me. I didn't know it was at the time. But there were some changes I had to make and some changes that she had to make so that we could cohabitate together. Holy Spirit is saying, listen, I'm coming to live with you. I'm coming to cohabitate with you. Your body is going to become my home, but I am not moving in there and letting that stuff stay in there. So you're going to have to get rid of rebellion. You're going to have to get rid of uh, that condescending attitude. You're going to have to get rid of racism. You're going to have to get rid of, you know, the pornography. You're going to have to get rid of that spirit of lust. You're going to have to get rid of, you know, the way you talk to people because that's not how Holy Spirit talks to people. I had a person to tell me one time, and you've heard me say this, but it made an impact on me. I had a person to say to, say to me, well, I'm sorry, that's just the way I am. And I said to him, because we're friends, I said to him, God did, does not give you the right to be the beep of Jesus. Like you don't get to be that that is not the spirit of christ and you cannot just dismiss it away with well that's just the way i am i tell people what's on my mind well you're not operating by the holy spirit because the holy spirit can get a hold of this thing right here he can he can get a hold of that if you allow him to he says be be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry When he moves in, he's going to begin to change. He's going to begin to rearrange the furniture. He's going to be able to, he's going to be able to say, you know what? That, that whole, you tell people like it is, that's actually a good trait. You're using it in the wrong way. You're using it to tell people off with the spirit of attitude and, you know, and looking down and condescension. But if you'll allow love to come along with that, you can actually speak the truth in love. And instead of telling people off, you can turn people on to the truth. 
You can, you can still use that, but you'll use it with a different way, and you'll use it with the spirit of love. And so tact will, will come in, in, in uh, partnership with your truth. And so it's not like Holy Spirit is completely getting rid of the furniture. He's just going, let's drag this over here because this is actually where it works best in the whole scheme of the body. Are you following me? All right. So look at this. Acts chapter 2, Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He says, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is right after Holy Spirit has been poured out in Acts chapter 2. We're going to get to that later. But as he's standing up, he's saying, Church, people, if you'll repent... Be baptized in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit is coming. Like, Holy Spirit is coming. It's a gift. God is going to give it to you. Him to you. I don't know if you've ever had a gift that somebody gave you, all right? Now, I have. I have. Somebody gave me a gift. I mean, this has happened multiple times. Hopefully, you weren't one of these people. But somebody gave me a gift and it's like, oh, that's cool. And that gift would go somewhere in my house on a shelf or in my garage somewhere. And I would just put it there and I wouldn't, you know, really open that thing up. I mean, I know what it is. I'm like, hmm, I don't really know what they were thinking, but that's okay there. There's that. And then I'd be in my garage years later. Come on now. I mean, that thing's been up on the garage. It was a gift that was given to me, but I didn't open it. And I'm in my garage and, you know, trying to declutter or, or do, do something. Y'all pray for me. Shay's on me about decluttering our house. I'm like, we're going to have to get her to stop going to these women's meetings, you know. She comes home and she, can I just pause for a second? Just Hit the pause button. She comes home, and she's going to be talking to me about, today we're going to declutter. And I'm like, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke it. (laughs) And she said, Skylar told us, and we, and I'm like, I ain't hear nothing in there about Skylar said, you need to get your husband to help you. (laughs) All right. So, but she comes home. She's going to talk to me about decluttering. All right, press play again. All right. So we would be de- decluttering, organizing, and I would be cleaning the shelves out and stuff, and I'd be like, what's this? And I'd get it down, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, Elmer gave me this. And I'm like, I remember, you know, and I'm like, wonder why I didn't open this. And I open this, and I'm like, whatever it is. And I'm going, why have I not used this? Have you ever been there? Like I'm sitting there going, at the time, I, it didn't make sense to me. But I'm sitting there going, I have needed this. As a matter of fact, sometimes I would even have gone out and bought another one. Because I didn't know this one was there. And so here I am, I'm going, why have I not opened this? Like it makes so much sense that I would have this gift but I have for so long been limping along or duct taping stuff together or, you know, halfway getting it done. And I had it sitting there all the time on my shelf. That's what Holy Spirit, come on, somebody needs to listen to me. That's what Holy Spirit is in our life. Like we get him as a gift, but what we do with them is completely up to us as I allow Holy Spirit to influence me. What we allow Holy Spirit to do in our life, if we use the gift or not, it's still a gift. It's still ours. It's still there. It's still in your garage. It's still on the shelf. It's still, you know, there to do its job, whether you get it out to do its job. Man, I'm telling you what, if you've been walking along, limping along in life, halfway doing things, doing, doing stuff in your business, your marriage, your personal life, str- inner struggles that you have, and you've been doing it on your own because that box of the Holy Spirit is still up there on the shelf, I'm challenging you to get that thing down and say, Holy Spirit, I'm opening my life up to you, and I want to use you. 
I want to use you in my life. I promise you, if you'll be here for this series, we're going to take you through some steps of how to increase you in Christ through this series. There are four areas, four areas of our life You've heard me. Don't turn off when you see the scripture in just a second. Don't hit the snooze button and go, oh yeah, I've seen that so many times. I don't even have to pay attention in this part of the message. Look at this. Mark chapter 12. Jesus is responding to a question about what the greatest commandment is. And he says, here it is. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You're supposed to love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And then he says there's a second command, but they're really synonymous. They're equal. So it's really just one command, and it's to love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment above these. This is the most important. If you can get these right, I promise you, you will make heaven. I promise you, you will make heaven. So four areas, he says, that we... Uh, will be changed in. Number one is our heart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. The scripture says this, where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. Like where your heart is, the things that you value, that's, that's where your heart is gonna be. If you value this, if you value that, that's where your attentions are gonna be, that's where your affections are gonna be, that's where your body is gonna be because you love that. That's where your money is going to be because you love that. I ain't picking on any hunters here. I'm just picking on my family, okay? I ain't picking on any hunters. I'm just picking on my family. And if you get Holy Ghost slapped, <laughs> uh -huh, I've been talking about you. <laughs> if the Holy Ghost slaps you, that's just between you and the Holy Ghost. But... You know, we got some family, and it's like, I'm just telling you, man, they're, every crook and cranny of their house is jam-packed with hunting gear and equipment. It's like you literally do not have to buy any more gear for the rest of your life, and you can just use the stuff that's in the boxes in your garage. That's how much. I'm not even exaggerating. I promise I'm not. That's where the heart is. That's where the heart is. All right? So where, what, are I, what are the things that you value? I mean, if you will just start looking at, like, what are the things that I value? Because this is where your values are, where you spend the most time, where you spend the most money, where you spend the most time reading about it, learning about it. You know, come on, man. I'm sorry if you're getting Holy Ghost slapped out there. But, it, but it's the truth. What, where, where do I spend the majority of my time, all of these different things? Because that's what you value. Holy Spirit says this, worship me with that stuff. It's okay if you're on the ball field. Find a way to worship me there. It's okay if you're out on the boat. Find a way to worship me there. It's all right if you've got a big fancy house that's 6,000 square feet that you never invite anybody over to because you don't like folks. <laughs> Worship the Lord with your house. I'm telling you, I have been in homes that have exceeded $5 million that people that went to our church in Atlanta, well, actually, they didn't go to our church. Their son went to our church. It's the kind of house that you walk around and you feel like Gomer Powell. Golly, huh? You know, it's truly. And they had more things with people at their house that they just gave that house. And I, when I walked into it one time, the lady said, this is Jesus' house. I'm like, mm, Jesus be living nice is all I can say, <laughs> you know. But they used it for the Lord. I mean, they had so many stuff. We, we didn't even go to their church. They went to another church downtown Atlanta. We didn't even go to their church, and our church had stuff at their house. I mean, can you imagine, like, you using your house for something that City Hope's doing? Mm. 
You use in your house to have something that First Baptist, you know, Fairhope is doing. Nope. You ain't, uh, you ain't approved that with the pastor, and you can't be using your house, but nothing for destiny stuff. Are you following me? Use what you value for the Lord. There's a change. All of a sudden, the house is not yours, it's Jesus. The car's not yours, it's Jesus. The pressure washer's not yours, it's Jesus. The chainsaw's not yours, it's Jesus. Those are just tools to be an influence to somebody. The second thing he says is not only our heart, but he says our soul. When the scripture talks about our soul, when you go to to look at that, the word looks like psyche, but it's pronounced suke. And when we think of psyche, we think more of like our mind, but in the Greek, suke, soul, means like our, our life force. It's the thing that animates the body. It's not your spirit. Your spirit is, 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 is like your body, but you don't always have your spirit. You always have your soul. You don't always have your body, and you don't always have your spirit. Right now, we have our body. Our body connects me to this world. Our spirit connects us to that world and communicates to God. Our soul is who I really am. It's my mind. It's my will. It's my emotions. It's my personality. Our soul, he says, I want you to worship me with your soul. So if you are a blunt, you know, just give me the facts person, God says, I want you to worship me through that. That's still a gift. You can use it. Do it in love. All right? He says, if you are, uh, you know, if, if you're very emotional, do that in love. Do that in love. Don't be all crazy emotional with all, all of your emotions and you're all over the place. No, you harness that. You harness that. There, there have been people in my life that I'm like, they are, they, are, they are prophetic people. They are honed in to their emotions but they don't know how to control their emotions. And so they come into a service like this and we'll sing a song and it touches their emotions and all of a sudden they think they're fixing to step into the prophetic and it's like, no, sit down, that's emotion. That's emotion. Like you can use that, but this is not the time or place for that. Are you following me? But you will have some people, it's like, I ain't quenching the Holy Ghost. Pastor told me not to quench the Holy Ghost. I'm not telling you to quench the Holy Ghost, but I'm just telling you flat out. If you start opening up that spiritual can of worms in Walmart, they're going to carry you out in a straitjacket, and they're going to escort you off the premises. You can operate in the prophetic in Walmart on aisle nine, speaking the prophetic word to somebody and not look like a fruitcake. Does that make sense? Why? Because I'm harnessing my emotions. Man, Pastor Rife, I'm preaching to myself, but I'm telling you what, it's good. He says, worship me with your soul. Worship me with your soul. Everything that you are, your life, I want your life. Worship me with that. Third thing, he says, worship me with your mind. Listen, your mind are your beliefs. I've already quoted this scripture. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The scripture also says, before Holy Spirit comes to, to uh, influence your life, that there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. So we got this way of thinking, and we're thinking, man, this sounds like it's right, and surely this is it. And under the influence uh, or, or Outside of the influence of the Holy Spirit, that sounds smart, but it is going to lead you straight to hell. But when we're under the influence, when we've submitted our mind, how do, how do we submit our mind to Christ? Well, we learned it in John, uh, or, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, John chapter 15, where it says, if you abide in me, and if you abide in my word, that's how we renew our mind. The scripture says, don't be changed, transformed. Don't be changed into the image of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed by the renewing of your mind. And the way that we are changed is by knowing this. When we know this, our mind. That's why we can say, I don't have to answer to any name that the enemy tries to call me. 
if you don't know the name that he's calling you by is not what God calls you by, you'll answer to that name. Come on, I'm preaching truth to y'all. And, and before you know it, you will have spent, listen to me, church. Before you know it, you will have spent 25 or 30 years of your Christian life answering to a name that is not yours. And one day, I'm telling you from experience, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to realize you're not alone. You're not an orphan. You're going to realize there is somebody there who is fighting for you. Do you know how many years that I knew these scriptures, but I didn't know these scriptures? And I listened to the lie of the enemy and him tell me, hey, buddy, nobody's going to look out for you. You're the only one that's going to look out for you. You can't trust that guy, and you certainly can't trust her, and you can't trust them. They're going to let you down. You know who ain't going to let you down, buddy? You. You're all alone. You're all alone. So what was, what was the name I was answering to? Hey, orphan, come over here. You ain't got nobody. And I walked under that orphan spirit until I began to abide in the word, and I learned that, man, I am not an orphan. I am a son of God. Not only am I a son, but you and I have been given this place of honor that we are co-heirs with Christ. That blows our mind. I'm telling you what, I preached that one time and I got some religious folks upset with me. And they said, you, you trying to tell me that we're, co that we're equal with Jesus? Absolutely. And I'm telling you, I didn't say that, but God himself said that in his word. That we are co-heirs with Christ. I don't know about you. I don't know about any other language. But I know in the English language, the co means I'm right beside and I have the same amount of power as he does. And he has the same amount of power as I do. And if we co, we share. Are you following me? That's who I am. That's who you are. And so we renew our minds. He said, I want you to worship me in renewing your mind. I want you to worship me with your mind. Listen to me, church. Because if you hadn't got this practically, there, when, when Holy Spirit comes, do you only have to listen to, uh, I don't even know, nobody comes to mind right now, music artists, uh, Christian ones. Casting crowns. Do I just have to listen to casting crowns? God, I hope not, because I'm not a fan of casting crowns. Uh, you know, that, they have a sound, and it's just not mine. Uh, but they're awesome. You know, love them for the people who love casting crowns. Uh, do I have to listen to this? Do I, no. But there are some things that we have to stop listening to. I'm just telling you, man. There's some music that, and it, and it crosses genres. I'm saying. Are you, oh, Jesus, help me not to cuss. Are you telling me you can come in here and you can stand on the front row and you can go, you know, whom the Son is set free, it's free indeed. And I can go out to my car and flip on the radio and I can be like, yeah, I'm going to do this to this me. I'm going to boo 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 No, my friend. No, my friend. No, my friend. You cannot. Jesus says, oh, and, 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 and don't, don't let me get, you know, you can't be like, I'm going to take her down and I'm going to take her to the honky town. We're going to go back to my place. And yada, 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 yada. It supersedes genres. It is about the word that is being sung. And it's like the scripture says, you cannot praise me out of the same toilet bowl. You cannot do that. Wash it out, change it, clean it up. Because when the Holy Spirit moves in, something's going to be moving out. He's like, there's other rap music that you can listen to. There's other country music that you can listen to. There's other this and that that you can listen to. It's like, you know what? There are certain shows. There are certain places. There are certain things you can't read. Do you know that... In this cancel me culture just a few years ago, the biggest selling volume was 50 shades of gray and the biggest amount of people, it wasn't men reading that mess, it was women reading that misogynistic junk and then we got the me too people that are, you know, I, you know, you know, and I'm like, y'all, you, you are, you're sending a double standard. You cannot read that trash and then read the word of God. 
it is going to come into conflict at some place. You can't, and you fill in the blank. There are certain places I can't go. There are certain things I can't watch. There are certain things. Why? Because it fills my mind with the filth of the world that is in conflict with the holy God of the universe living within me. And when you try to do both, that's why you're in turmoil. That's why you are in turmoil. Pastor Rife, you know, I don't do any of those things. I thank God you're talking to some other folks because I don't have a problem with any of that. No, but you know what? We will sit there and be like those whitewashed sepulchers. We will be like those whitewashed tombs and we'll say, well, praise the Lord, I don't have any of that. But your attitude sucks. It stinks. You got a sourpuss attitude. Oh, come on, man. I'm fixing to wrap it up. So just somebody just come play some stop music. We used to sing this song. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. amen. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. amen. All right, if you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved and you know it, all right, if you're saved and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, all right, We have too many people in the body of Christ that are saying, amen, no change. Clapping hands, no change. Stomping feet, I'm just mad. I'm just, I don't agree. I don't, yeah. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. That's what he's saying. He's like, worship me with your soul. Let me see your life. Let me see your mind, how you think about things. Let me see your strength. Your strength are your areas of influence, your assets, your abilities. What do you have? He says, what do you have that I can use to influence? It's going to be abilities that you have. It's going to be assets. It might be your car, your house, finances that you have. What do you have that God can use? That's your strength. He says, worship me with those strengths. And then those are the four things. Worship me with your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. As we, say it with me, as we allow Holy Spirit to influence us, he gives us the power to influence others. So it's a gift that he gives to us. You've got the decision where you're going to stick it up on the shelf like I did. Are you going to take it out and use it? Because listen to me, guys. If you don't invite Holy Spirit into your circumstances, your circumstances are going to lead you to a place where you don't want to end up. They're going to end, you're going to lead you to a place of desperation. They're going to lead you to a place of frustration. But when you allow Holy Spirit to guide you in the situation that you are in now, Something great is going to come out of it. I want you to look at these couple of things that we can use. So, if we don't apply the word, then we've wasted our time today. I, don't, I hope I'm not wasting your time and I hope you're not wasted, we're not wasting God's. But answer this. Do I allow Holy Spirit control in my life in every area? Now think about it. You're not lying to me, you're lying to God if you say no. If you got it all together, that's awesome too. Come talk to me because I, I want you to influence me. Because there's some areas of my life, friends, I'm telling you, I struggle with letting God control it. Why? Because it's a desire that I have. When I submit myself to him, he gives me the desires of my heart. But God will not give me desires. The enemy will. But God will not give me the desires of my heart that don't line up with him. The enemy flat out will. But as I submit myself to him, as I begin to increase in Christ, I begin to change my desires. Do I allow Holy Spirit to control me 
in er every area of my life. And then here's what I want to ask you to do. Like, identify the area. I'm telling you, it, this year, if you don't grow, if I don't grow, it's because we flat out, this is going to be a harsh statement, okay? Are you ready for it? I'm trying to prepare you for it. If you don't grow this year, and I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't have grown last year and that we won't have to grow next year. Growth is constant. Change is constant. But if you don't grow, if I don't grow, here's the harsh part. It's because we're in rebellion. We're just flat out rebelling against God. And I'm going to tell you what. You are not going to win. I am not going to win. God is always going to win because truth, righteousness, and holiness always wins. I don't know where it's at. I think it's in Genesis chapter 6 uh, verses 3 or somewhere. But Genesis chapter 6, God says, My spirit will not always strive with man. And then somewhere over in the New Testament, I don't know where this is found, but it's in there. I promise you, you can go research it. There comes times in life where God, he's trying to work here with us. He's trying to work, but it's, it's, it's a tug of war. 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 And finally, the Holy Spirit says, I'm not going to do this anymore. You do what you want. You do what you want. You live like you want. You think what you want. You think what you want. I'm not going to, because I can't make you. I can be there. I'll talk about this more next week. I can be there. I can be there. I can be there. But I'm not, he is not going to force us to do anything. And I know we're under the dispensation of grace. I get that. So some of the things in the Old Testament don't necessarily apply. But I truly believe, based upon evidence that we have in the New Testament, that, that there is a time where Holy Spirit will let us go our own way and turn us over to a, anybody know? A reprobate mind, a depraved mind. A faulty, messed up way of thinking. If that's what you want. And I don't want to go off on some... Uh, tangent here but that's why you can have folks inside the church that have been resistant so long to the word of God they have adopted lies into their theology I have a friend just the other day that they disassociated from uh, a denomination because their denomination has engrafted the lie that love is love and that's not true. Love is love. And you know, you know what that means. That's a, that's a lie to get us to accept everything. Come on, man, everything. But love is not love, my friend. Like, I can love a person, and Scripture says it's my wife. A heterosexual relationship. But I don't, I don't get to be in love with a dog. I know that's gross, but I, I don't get to be in love with a dog. That's not love. Love is not love. We can't engraft whatever lies we want to. And they've, they've begun to engraft lies into their denomination that, you know, love is love. I can love who and what I want to. And, you know, and that we will now ordain those people to lead the church and they don't have to be one sex or the other. They can be one or nothing or multiple or whatever they want to be. They can be that. We're just there to love. Isn't that what God told us to do? Love? And it's like, yes, but by whose definition? Man, that can make you mad. You can go out of here. Y'all can be filming me secretly and putting it on Facebook. But I'll tell you and CNN and anybody who wants to show up on the front lawn out there. The word of God is never to be changed. I'm to be changed by the word of God. I don't change the word of God because of, of what I am. It's the other way around. The word of God changes me. I don't change the word of God. And so 
identify the area that you, I need to change and then surrender it to God and then change. Because this is what I'm, I'm going to tell you. Man, I've been waiting on the Holy Spirit to change me in this one area of my life. Friend, he already changed you at the cross. He already changed you when he came as a gift to you. You change yourself. What are you talking about? When Holy Spirit resides in you, when Holy Spirit resides in you, he brings everything that he is. He brings all of the gifts with him, and he brings all of the fruit with him. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, kindness, self-control. You control yourself. Jesus, hold me back. No, you hold yourself back. Jesus, you need to shut my mouth because I'm about to say something here. No, you shut your own mouth because the Spirit says you control yourself. Because the Holy Spirit does not show his butt. Holy Spirit, he's in control. And he influences by his presence. And that's what we will do if we will allow him. We will influence by our presence.